welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you guys are here today. Um, we have a lot that, that I think God is going to show us today in our time together. So if you would, open up your Bibles. We're going to jump into uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. We're going to cover verses 12 through 16 of Acts chapter 5 today. And if you're a first-time guest, we want you to enjoy yourself. Um, we also want you to know that if you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible in a row next to you, and there's a Bible in the back row. But we're a church. We're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended church to be. Um, and we're a project. We, we are trying to figure this thing out together. Just like in Haiti, they're trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure it out here. We don't have it figured out, but we know we love Jesus. We know we love Scripture. We love each other, and we're trying to figure this out together. So we're glad that you're here at Church Project today. Um, thank you, April, for that update. Uh, I turned around to her a minute ago and said, are you ready? And this time she knew what I was saying. Uh, so that means I didn't warn you, uh, you're going to go speak. And so she came up here, prompt spoke, good job. We actually did that in Haiti as well, in a village when we were speaking in Bouchouin. I was getting up to preach. I turned around to April and said, are you ready? ready? And she said, yeah, I'm ready. But she didn't know what she said. So I got up and I said, I'm glad to be here in Haiti. We're going to invite April up here to speak for a minute. She had this deer in the headlight look. You know, it was like, oh, no. But isn't it true? I mean, we should be ready in and out of season to give, to give the hope, the joy that's in us. To just relate this gospel message. It doesn't matter what country you're in. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Um, we have this simple message. But oftentimes in America, we like to complicate it a whole lot. So April, thank you for giving us that love message this morning. And I think today we're going to continue to find this love message that, the, that Jesus is telling us in Scripture. Um, I do want to say this, Ryan, good job on your Imago, the wedding dress, and I know you've slept for three hours, but I think Jared only slept for two hours, <laughs> so everyone look at him and make sure he's awake, and if you went, if you went last night to the Youth for Christ prom and kind of walked around and saw what was going on, good job, I about started crying, I, I, I went in and saw Rachel actually, um, she went there early. And a bunch of the, the girls came in, and she was doing hair and makeup, and they were all giggling and all that stuff, and it was just a joy. So Church Project, thank you for partnering with Youth for Christ financially, and thank you last night for, for partnering relationally as well. And good job, guys. That was awesome. Um, it's Mother's Day. Did you know that? Yeah, thank you for reminding us, Ryan. It is Mother's Day. Today, we celebrate with all you beautiful women. Just, if you're a woman... We celebrate with you today. Imagine a world without women. Yikes. Yikes. A world of J's running around. Oh my goodness. That could be fun. So today, women, let's all men, let's applaud you today. Women, thank you. <laughs> today is Mother's Day, and for you women um, that have had the honor of being a mother, we thank you for your love, we thank you for your sacrifice and your dedication. And we also recognize that, that some, for some women today, it's a hard day today. And for you, we stand quietly next to you in your support, and we trust that God is gracious to you and shines upon you today as well. So we're with you as a church, no matter where you're at today. Amen? Women, we love you. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Let me read this. 
Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people in the hands, uh, by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. In verse 13, none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the, to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on the cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits as they were all healed. God, I pray today that as we go through these four simple verses, that the complex message of your love is made so simple to us, that this is a very, very simple message, and that we see how powerful your gospel moves in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. So we see in this passage right here, the gospel message continually overcomes adversity. Look throughout Scripture. It's the story of Scripture. The gospel message continually overcomes adversity. Last week, Jeremy spoke, and he did an amazing job about freedom and and the passage before about what it looks like to walk in freedom. So Jeremy, good job. That was a great message. Um, And continuation right here in this passage of what Jeremy talked on last week, here we see the gospel overcoming fear. The gospel overcoming fear. How many of you have ever been scared, fearful of something in your life? How many of you have overcome that fear completely? Liars. You're scared of the dark still, Debbie. Come on. <laughs> but the gospel is talking here about how to overcome fear. Look in verse 12. Let's look at this. I want to point out a few things for us in verse 12 of Acts 5. Not, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. So I want to ask this question. Do you believe God can heal? Do you believe that? Okay, good. Do you believe God can use you to heal? Uh, We're getting a little more personal, huh? Do we believe God can use you to heal? Don't limit what that might look like in your life. Don't limit what God can do and how he can overcome adversity in your life. Don't limit that. We will see later in verses 15 and 16 when we get down to them how some of the ways God was healing during this time. And it might show us how he might heal in our time as well. But in verse 12, I believe God can heal. And I believe God can use us to heal. And so we get down to verse 13. It says right now, none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. All right, what's What's happening right now? If you're following the story of what's happening in this early time is the apostles, the, the, the Spirit did something incredible. Thousands of people were drawn to the Spirit, except the people that were in charge of the land, the officials, they didn't like it because they were starting to lose power. So they called the apostles in and they basically said, be quiet about Jesus. Don't ever teach about Jesus again or bad things are going to happen because we're starting to lose power. Then they dismiss the two apostles from their presence. The apostles go out immediately. The church starts rallying and screaming the name Jesus and start doing the very thing that, that the leader said not to do. And we get down to verse 13. Now I want you to put yourself in this picture. If you've ever been to Israel, or if you've ever studied what the temple looked like, it's not just like this. 
It's not just one room and one location and they walked into it. There was a front door and, hey, I'm in the temple and there was a back door. It's not just that. Look at some maps and study what it looks like. It's multiple areas in the temple. It's it's a, a lot of blocks. And so you have the, the inner temple and then you have the outskirts and then you have the, the, the whole grand outside where everyone's meeting. And then you have little rooms. And so you've got to think about this enormous thing. And maybe in the back of your Bible, there's even maps of it. But you have to think about this whole thing. Because what's happened is the apostles were just dismissed from the temple. And where all the, pe- where the uh, governors and all the officials were meeting said, don't speak. And they walk out, they walk across this little area, and they go to what's called, what, Solomon's portico. And they begin to speak in powerful, powerful ways. Picture this. In verse 13, none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. What respect. This group of people are, are, powerful things are happening, and others are walking by, and none of the others wanted to join them, but they held them in high esteem. What respect is being shown right here? Imagine a group of people walking, and you, and you notice that the apostles and all that, they're doing great stuff over here. And they begin to walk by, and it's kind of like this. A group of people are walking, nearing them, laughing and joking and high-fiving and doing all this. Then they, they come near where the apostles are, and it's like they go, shh. And then they start laughing again and joking. Like, they didn't want to join them, but they held them in high esteem. I remember when I worked at the steel mill in, in Pueblo, Colorado. Anyone ever been down there? Pueblo, Colorado? Good place. Yeah, Jack, you've been down there, huh? Worked at the steel mill in Pueblo, Colorado. And uh, I, I worked with this guy that, that you know, a lot of guys, they, they used good language. Choice, choice language. Kind of like we did two weeks ago in church projects. Sorry about that. No, that was funny. Uh, so I, I remember, I, I didn't quite use the, the language, I didn't speak the same language they did, and I remember one guy coming up to me and saying, hey Aaron, man, don't worry, because you're going to make the highest level of heaven there is, like you're going to make celestial heaven, like you're so set apart, it's, it's awesome. And I remember sitting at, at, at the lunch tables and stuff as, as they continued their, their, their flavorful conversations and all that. And I didn't really join in those, those conversations. Um, but I remember also, after almost every lunch, one or two of the guys would come up and go, hey, sorry about that, man. Sorry, I know, you know, that language and all that stuff. And, you know, respect you, bro. Respect you for that. Keep it going. You're, you're our inspiration, you know. I was like, what, what's going on? Like, they didn't quite speak the same language I did. They didn't understand as well. But there, there may have been a respect because they knew that I was a Christian. And they even tampered down their language a little bit, a little bit, when, when they were around me. If this is a little example, I think, of what's happening right here. None of the rest dared join them. I want to ask this question for you as you look at your scripture. One of the things that I loved about Haiti this last week was Todd Welsh and I was able to sit with 20 pastors. And for two days, we walked through Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We talked eight verses in two days. And we talked about how to study Scripture and get to know Scripture. So even in this place today, I want us to do that. When you look at your Scripture in verse 13, and it says this, None of the rest joined them. Man, I have been thinking on this for hours this week. So I want to ask you brilliant people, who is the rest? 
Who's the rest that, this, that the scripture's pointing to? Let's, let, no, I really want to know. I, I want to know. I want you to say out loud, who is the rest? So let's, let's look at it. Just read it for a second. Think about it. Who is the rest? None of the rest dared enjoyed them. Who's the rest? Anyone have an idea? Who, what, Debbie? The people that didn't believe Christ was the Savior, okay? The disciples? Anyone else? Who? Jude? The Jews? I shot my hearing aids in when I'm asking questions. Sorry. The sign language thing? Yeah. <laughs> Should do sign language for me. Okay, so, so who's the rest? I wrestled with that a lot, and I've had all those thoughts that, that you guys have said. Um, and then I want to ask this question. Who's the them? By the way, if you go to house church, this is awesome. I hope this happens during house church. Like, I hope you're grabbing scripture and, and really talking and dialoguing over it. That's what made the two days in Haiti with the 20 pastors awesome is because there was a dialogue that was happening over Scripture. Like we got to chew over it. So who is the rest and who is them? I think in verse 13, we really have to ask ourselves these two questions especially. The best that I can come up with is that the other Christians were the rest. I, th- I think you're right. At first, at first I thought it's the non-believers. Like those have got to be there. They're not joining them. But I think the rest are the other Christians. They were scared of joining them, the apostles. I think the apostles are teaching and they're doing incredible things. But I think it's the other Christians, actually, that are walking by. Blah, 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 blah. Oh. Blah, 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 blah. Like they're scared to join that moment right there. That's the best that I can come up with. The apostles are doing incredible things in this portico, and I think other Christians are actually scared to join. How did I come up with that? I look at verse 14, and it says believers were added to added. Believers were added. So the Christians were scared to join the movement. Other non-believers were being added, and they were joining the movement, but in this moment, the Christians were scared to join. And I wonder why. Why do you think Christians were scared of joining this moment right now in this movement? They didn't want to die. This is the result of fear. They are missing out. Jeremy, you talked about it last week. Christians, they, they are scared of joining. And the result of their fear taking over them, they are missing out on what God is doing. The Greek word here um, for join is call lao. And it means, it, it, it means to join together. And when you look at this Greek word that's used in this sentence right here, it, it is the same word that's used in Matthew 19.5. And Matthew 19.5, some of you might be familiar with it, gives us a really good clear picture of what join together means. Matthew 19.5 says, 
Um, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and and the two will become one flesh. They are joined together. And it's the same Greek word that's being used in that context as it is here. You have Christians that are missing out. Because of fear, they're missing out and they are scared to be joined together with what God is doing. They're missing it. They're scared. We do the same today. Would you agree? We do the same today. The people are interested in joining them when things are good, when it's convenient, when the works are are high and visible and the energy is high, the church is willing to join together before the apostles get told to shh. They're willing to join together and jump up and down and praise God. But the moment that the fear comes in and grips them, they are not willing to be joined together right now. The non-Christians are willing to join though. They're added to the church right now. But Christians are scared of joining. We want to be a part of a movement but we are not willing to be all in. We do the same today, church. We can't judge this early church for passing by and saying, I don't want to be associated with them. I might get arrested. We can't judge them. We do the same thing today. We want, to, to, we want the glory and the fun parts of church, but we split the second things get uncomfortable and a tad bit inconvenient for us. We have a commitment problem. Just like the early church had a commitment problem. Now hear this with love. Hear this with gentleness. And if you get a spirit check, please don't come yell at me. Take it up with God. Honestly, some of us are missing out on true community because you're unwilling to join, to no lo, the Greek, the join together, a house church. You're unwilling to get in relationships with people and to be dedicated and to be all in with it. Where are your good intentions high and your commitment low? Where are your good intentions high and your commitment low? We look around at each other and say, I'm willing to join with you when things are going well and when things are good and they're exciting and there's new stuff happening. But as soon as it gets hard, I'm out. And this might be a spirit check for some of us. For me, God's been checking me on some of these things. When I look at the church at large, I'm like, God, I like this part of your church in America, and I like this part, but the other stuff, I don't want anything to do with that. And he's saying, no, I've called you to be the church. The good parts, the bad parts, all of it, I want you to be all in. I don't think it's convenient for you to just show up and say, I'll join you when things are good, but I'm out when things are bad. So my prayer, church, is that in this place right here, God is beginning to move in our hearts and spirits. And some during this time, probably feared joining them, the church and what was happening, because of loyalty to leaders of the land. Like what was going on right there was scaring them. Right in front of the leader's eyes, this stuff was happening. But some of them, as I'm thinking about the story, might actually be walking by saying, I'm not going to join this group, what's happening, because the leader's My cousin's actually one of those leaders. 
I, I know people that are actually leading the land right now. And I don't want to disappoint them. I, I, I don't want to go against them. And so we find ourselves in this conundrum of like, I know that God's doing an incredible thing, and I want to celebrate it, but my cousin said not to do it. My friend said not to do it. Uh, the leaders of the land said not to do it. We need to let go of the fear of approval of man. Man, I really thought that would go a lot stronger than that. We need to let go of the fear of the approval of man. Think of the church. If the church that was walking by and joking and laughing and they just got into Jerusalem for the first time and they heard the Spirit was doing incredible things and they're high-fiving and they see the apostles over there doing something incredible instead of going, oh, fear of man, I can't do that. And then high-five and joking. What would happen if they had no fear of man? They're high-fiving and they're doing all this and they see the movement of God and they go, we're all in. Like, what happens? We don't care what my cousin said. We don't care what the leaders of the, of the land said. We are all in. Who cares what others think? This is deep, deep truth for us today. How many of us are held bondage because we fear men? I'll say humankind, right? Men, women, everyone. We just fear what others think about us. Oh, church, church, dance in your field, please. Like you saw flowers, you thought they were cute. You went out and picked them and started dancing, but then someone walked by and saw you, and you just, oops, I can't dance. No, dance in your field, please. By you dancing in that field and you smelling those flowers and jumping up and down because you're alive in that moment, it will compel us to join you. We need that example We need to overcome fear. So overcome fear in your own life. And when you're living, when you've overcome fear and you're displaying that, it gives me a roadmap of how to do it as well. When you've overcome the fear of man and you're living it and you're loving it, it gives me a roadmap of how to overcome fear as well. Like dance in your own field. The scripture says of David to become a little more undignified. And this is when David's dancing naked, jumping up and down. And he goes, oh, I can become even more undignified than this. Like, I love God. So church, say that stupid phrase. Say it. Sing that off-tune song loudly. Like, sing it. Say it. Live it. Who cares what I think about it? Who cares what others think about it? Who cares? This church, because of fear, the Christians miss the movement of God because of fear. Oh, but in verse 14, the the non-believers got it. They were added to the number. They saw what was going on. They didn't fear man. They weren't taught to fear man yet. Live a life of joy. Who cares? Who cares? Live a life of joy. Experience everything God has for you. Man, if we could get that alone out of this passage, that will set us free, church. What would it look like if we were individuals that were set free from fear and set free from caring about what others think about you? Only caring about what what our God, our Father says. 
what he speaks over our life, the word of truth. Man, it would be awesome, huh? Okay. Wow, I, I sat on that one for a while, huh, Chad? Yeah, it is good. We should go to verse 15. Let's go to verse 15. Let's look at verse 15 and 16 together. Um, so that they were carried out to the sick into the streets and laid them on, on cots and mats, that as, Peter, uh, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing him a sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Overcoming fear resulted in becoming holy. Do you see that? Overcoming fear resulted in becoming holy. When you overcome fear and you don't care about man, you find your identity in God, in Christ alone. And when you find your identity in Christ alone, he makes you more like himself, sanctifies you, grows you to be more like him. And so if you don't overcome fear, you can never sit at the foot of your king and become more like him. So, by overcoming fear, it resulted in them becoming holy, more like God, set apart, which did what? It resulted in God unleashing his power. When we overcome fear, we get to sit at the foot of our king. Our lives are reflected more like his, and his power is unleashed in our life. Holiness is the vessel God uses to usher in his power in our life. I want to say that again because this may be a convicting thing for some of us. Holiness is the vessel God uses to usher in his power. These Christians were missing what was going because they shut up and walked by what God was doing. What areas are you living in secret, church? What areas are keeping you from being holy, being set apart, looking more like Christ? It comes down to a lordship issue in our life. We say, God, we want to look more like you in this area, in this area, but not in that area. And we haven't surrendered. God isn't Lord of our life in that area. Like, what areas are we holding back from God? What areas are we putting our head in the sand and ignoring the movement of God in our life? Holiness is to be us set apart, to look more like Christ every day. We cannot be set apart if we're just living off of our instincts and trying harder. We're not good enough. The only way that we can be set apart is daily soaking in His Word and who He is and sitting at the foot of our King as He makes us more like Him. He'll tell us, good job, and He'll also convict us of things that need to change in our life. What we do, what we say, what we go, the habits, good and bad, whatever they are, the Holy Spirit begins to move and make us more like Him every single day. Holiness is the vessel God uses to usher in His power. So church, pursue a life of holiness. Maybe even this week, just ask God, God, search my heart. Know if there's anything in me that needs to change. God, 
Search my hands, my habits, my attitudes. Is there anything in me that needs to change? If there is, is there even a hint of impureness in my life? Is that a word? I made it up. Impure. Is there anything in my life that's impure? God, make me more like you. I want to be holy like you. I don't want to miss what you're doing in my life. God is going to move. His spirit is going to move. The only question is, are you going to be quiet enough and still enough to participate in it? It's a lordship issue. Okay. I also want to point out, though, that God can move without holiness. You just might miss it. It's, this isn't a formula like, look more like Christ and he's going to move. No, God's going to move, period. He's going to move, period. You just might miss it. All right, let, let's, let's keep going here. Sorry. It's awesome to see to me in verse 15 and 16 how God uses the Peter's shadow to heal. Have you ever known that to be true? That would be pretty incredible, right? You could sell that. He could make a lot of money doing that. He didn't do that. But look, look, the, the shadow of Peter walks by. Peter has spent so much time with God, his king, that as he walked by, the shadow of Peter walked by and it healed people. It's awesome to see how God uses handkerchiefs and aprons that touch the skin of Paul later on in Acts chapter 19, verse 12, to heal people. It's awesome to see how God heals people. Wouldn't you like to see an awesome power of God move in our life in this kind of way, where a shadow heals or an apron heals or a a handkerchief heals? Wouldn't you like to see this awesome power? Church, don't miss it. Don't miss this awesome power. It's awesome that God opened the wound of permits. That's awesome power. That's a handkerchief. It's, I can go through stories already right now where shadows have fallen on our lives, where, where handkerchiefs have fallen on our lives. The awesome power of God is moving today just like it did way back then in the stories that we read right now. Don't miss it. Church, in our short existence, we have seen roughly 20 of the most powerful healings of all time take place in our midst. I'm talking church project. In our six short years of existence, we have seen roughly 20 of the most powerful healings of all times take place in our midst. Do you realize we are making history right now? And one day, stories will be told of what's happening and continues to happen in this place in Church Project Greeley, these stories will be told and retold. What are these 20 most powerful, awesome, miraculous things that have ever been happening ever in the history happening here right now? It's awesome to witness the miracle of Jeremiah's salvation and baptism. I don't even know why I gave a message that day, bro. For real? You could have just come up and given the message. One of the greatest miracles of all time is watching you come to know God and to surrender your life to Him, man. And we've had roughly 20 of those, right? It's awesome to witness the miracle of Jeremiah and the salvation and his baptism. The greatest miracles that we should desire is that lost people will come to surrender their life to God. 
not physical ones. When we could be healed physically, which ultimately leads, leads to what? Us dying one day. Well, that was temporary. I mean, awesome. Great. I long to see physical healings. We pray for physical healings. I believe God can do physical healings. But church, do you long for the physical healing so much that you miss the biggest miracles of all time? Spiritual healing is even greater than physical healing. And I, God, I believe God can do both. I believe that we will see physical healings in our time. Here at Church Project, we already have, and I think we'll continue to. But don't you ever, ever, ever hold that in higher regard than when we see spiritual healings. That is why we are here. Long for those things. Pray for those things. Yearn for those things. Ask God for spiritual healings of your neighbors and your friends and your co-workers. Like those are the things that we celebrate. It's awesome that God continues to heal and answer prayer today. God, I pray that you heal our land and that you unleash your power. God, I pray for your church that you make us holy, make your name known. God, I pray that Greeley would be healed. I pray that Greeley would experience spiritual healings. God, awaken your church. Make us bold. Make us love. Make others want to be around us. God, I pray that we don't live to serve man. We're not confined by the fears of what others think about us. I pray that we would be who you created us to be. That we would dance in our own fields. We would laugh the way that we laugh. We would dance the way that we dance. And we wouldn't care. God, I pray that you would make us more like you every single day. And we would walk in that joy. God, in this place, I pray over your church. Move in our midst. Move in our hearts and move in our minds. If there's anything in us that is separating us from you, making us look or go further away from you, God, that you would clean that in us. That, God, we would surrender control of our lives and our actions to you. So convict us in this moment of anything that we may need to let go of. An attitude, a mentality, a worldview, an action, a habit, a hang-up. God, convict us and make us look more like you. And then, God, I pray, at that point, when you're making us look more like you, that we'd realize we are beautiful sons and daughters created complete, fully washed clean, forgiven, let go of all fear, having no chains, then we could dance, jump up and down and celebrate the love that you've given us. So God, I pray that if there's a spirit of fear in any of us, that you would break that right now. I pray that if there's a spirit of serving man, that you would break that in us right now. 
God, I pray that we would not miss what you're doing because we walk by and we fear, but God, we would be uniquely created to love you the way that you've created us to love you, and nothing would set us back or pull us back from being that and doing that. In this place today, we stand and we worship you.